Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. A podcast all for witches, occultists, whatever you want to call yourselves. Basically, people that practice the art and science of magic with or without the K, Chris. With or without, I don't care. With or without the K. Oh, you used to be a more of a... Uh, look down on those that use the K, the special. I still K. do. Oh, you but do. I keep it less. I keep it less public. Okay. Well, you just said it on a public po- uh, podcast. Yeah. Oh dear, your Living true colours are showing that you're judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. I'm just a bit more honest about it. Okay, this is a podcast episode number 123 that was decided literally actually years ago i wonder if you remember what this is supposed to be about i do know what it's about because there's a little footnote with it but it's called gluttonous spirits and led candles have any idea what you were thinking at the time (laughs) god knows well Right, so the little footnote thing next to it, it says fake tools in the craft. So LED candles and spirits oh, eating battery life and such. So I think there's two things that we need to crack on and talk about. The first thing would be, is there such a thing as a fake tools within witchcraft and magical practice and that? Because that's an interesting concept. One bound to polarise people. And also coming out of that this idea of led candles right because you see on some of these shrines and such like that and some of these rituals and that where you know certain people decide to open a goddess temple and the health and safety policy of the building does not allow for candles yet they cannot think of any other way to raise energy and leave offerings other than candles therefore they have to switch to the led candles and they always thought that you know it's an offering so if that is the case Maybe we'll start with the LED candles. If that is the case, this old idea of an offering, a lot of people think that the spirit goes and eats the candle. After all, to our um, uneducated, simple friends, the pagans, because we we all know that pagan means uneducated simpleton from the countryside, right? (laughs) To our pagan brethren, pagan friends, they think that the lighting of the candle and it disappearing literally in front of their very eyes means that the spirit or god goddess deity they're lighting the candle to is eating it, right? Ofs. Do they also eat batteries? So the battery juice, right? Will they consume that? Because I have noticed some of my uh, pagan friends have noted that, wait a minute. The candle may not disappear, but the juice stuff disappear. So they must therefore eat the electricity because it runs out, <laughs> doesn't it? Like a candle runs out. Okay, the LED candle is still there. It does not disappear. The cross-sectional end area of the wick, not that there is a wick, or anything else does not disappear. But the juice inside, the energy inside does disappear. Therefore, it must be at by something. Surely, Mr. Chris. You who have all the answers, tell us the secret. Will spirit accept an LED candle as an alternative if I'm not allowed to burn one on my college campus or in my goddess temple that I rent from the local, I don't know, woodwork (laughs) association? (laughs) Well, the obvious answer would be really depends on the spirit that you're working with. Bridget. First of all, <laughs> was um, she accepting any decal? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure Bridget, of all people, would accept anything that wasn't a real flame. Is that because um, she uses actual frames to like make swords? But then maybe you maybe you could set fire to a gay man. He flames now. <laughs> <laughs> Why does she dislike the gays, or does she like them so much she likes to eat them? Mm, good enough to eat, she says. I do notice a lot of uh uh. I believe you're supposed to look to use the term faggots and queers now, is that right? I believe that there's a lot of them that do visit some of these goddess temples. 
Like, is that just because they're drawn to her? Does she eat them? Is this like that that part in the Twilight Saga where the Valturi have someone uh, like Heidi go out and find people, mundanes and such, to feed on? So the vampires feed on them. Is that what this is? Is, it, is that why it's pink, Chris? Is that why it's pink? Is it like a moth to a flame? All these various fabrics and textiles and bright colours, you know, rainbow <laughs> colours, one would even say. Is that what this is all about? No, I'm just stirring the pot. Oh. Um, to get back to seriousness, nurseness, um, ultimately, the flame and the candle is representational. And I don't mean that as in representational magic, but you use candles particularly in the good old days because mm. they show there was a visual representation of the passing of time mm. so you wouldn't have a clock so to speak because we didn't wear portable ones seeing something that slowly diminished mm. meant you, you could know. see the time is passing so know. candles were quite frequently used to point out time is moving forward they're mm. not about feeding anything to to the deity i'm afraid liam mr chris i think you've got it all wrong i think you've got it all wrong you know i maybe it's because you were raised on llewellyn books or something i don't know but i am pretty sure i would stake my reputation on the fact that the wristwatch was invented way before neo-paganism ever was <laughs> no i'm not talking about now i'm talking oh, in the okay. good old classical days Oh, the there were no wristwatches. Before the neo-pagans and before yeah. the wristwatches. So you would be reliant on candles or lamps and actually watching the level of mm. some, like an oil or whatever diminish mm. allowed you to see the passage of time. Because yes. in the good old days, we used to be able to bend time a lot easier because we were a bit more fluid about it. And therefore, the only way to maintain a grounded position during works was to see the passing of a flame. An old flame. <laughs> you want to see all your old flames pass by, don't you? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's what you class as victory, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> ah, gotcha. <laughs> okay. So, so that, to me, puts too big a spin on actually why on earth are people using all these candles in the first place, let alone LED versions, that you don't watch diminish, because that actually is the purpose they're serving. Mm. Um, whereas people tend to think about, like you say, that they are in some way, shape or form the building of energy. No, the candles, like the... Um, the smoking incense, etc., etc., is all there to create atmosphere. Mm. It's got nothing to do with the magic that's being done. But people struggle with that. Yeah, because we all know the spirits are feed on the baby sacrifices, don't it? That's why you bring the babies along and yeah. slit their throats. Yes. Yeah, they don't yeah. need candles. Don't need candles for candles that. Candles don't sleep. Do, you do need. You do need candles there if you're doing your ritual late at night in the woods because it's difficult to see, Mr. Chris. Is it a baby or a child, small child that you've just sacrificed, or is it in fact one of your coven mates, you know, the umbalumpa one? Could be easily mistaken for a child. Mum petite. Wow. Liam, you normally save save all of the comments like this to the other side where we can't be sued oh. um, well one can only imagine what comments i've got to <laughs> yet to come out with from the other side <laughs> showing all these prejudices on live no 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 a, there's no prejudice there's no prejudice it's common, yeah. sense, it's common sense if you're if you're ritually sacrificing a bunch of children and you have one of your common mates that happens to be an umpa lumpa dwarf or midget it could be quite easy to get them mixed up. Therefore, you can't use any of those words, Liam. What do you mean you're not allowed to use those you're words? Using you those words. You're using all those words. All those words you're not say? supposed to say. No, no, no. Definitely... I know, because their dwarf told me, that 
there was a big push to refer to dwarfs and midgets and such as little people, right, by the establishment. And this specific person that had dwarfism told me to my face, said, would you rather be called a little person or would you rather be referred to by as a dwarf? And I said, I'm six foot one, love. I don't think I'm going to be classed as a little person or a dwarf, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> but I take your point. <laughs> I would not want to be referred to as a little person. I would want to be referred to as a dwarf or a midget, depending on whether my appendages and such were in proportion. Excuse me, Liam. My point is, you can't, even if you were using them in the correct way, you can't then compare them to Umpa Lumpers. Umpa Lumpers oh, are a fictional I, character. Did I ever Umpa say Lumpers. the word Umpa Lumpa? Yes, you did. Three did times. I? Three times. You <laughs> just said Umpa Lumpa. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe that did slip out. So, yes, I think I think some people will have issue with you calling any any small person or person below an average height an umpa lumpa. Well, there's far worse things I could say. I don't mean to offend, but I'm pretty bad with language sometimes. I yes. struggle with getting words out and they always seem to offend. Whether I mean to or not, Chris, is a problem. I need love and help. Educate yourself. I don't need to be sued. I need some education because I'm ignorant of such things, they say. Anyway, back to the subject. I don't uh, see one? how. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't see how you had to go straight to virgin blood in order to make that point. It wasn't necessary. I feel like you've stretched that for some other comic reason or to wind and trigger me. Um, this is not well, the we first. You remember your dark initiation in the shadows. This is no holds barred. Not the Fausty yeah. Witchy show. You did not bleed out. The initiation sacrifice did not take, did it? Or maybe it did. I mean, I just remember when we were kids, you having your throat slit, bleeding out, and then all of a sudden you jumped up, like they do in Supernatural when a demon inhabits a corpse and possesses it. <laughs> Are you a walking, Mr. Chris? Is that what this is all about? It suddenly will make sense. Ah. So, the real subject matter, Liam. Your real name? No, LED candles. Oh, LED candles. Okay. LED candles. Have you ever used LED candles for magics and such? No. No? I don't think no. I have. I can't remember ever used an LED candle. If, I did, if there wasn't an opportunity for me to use a candle, I just wouldn't use the candle. Why? <laughs> Do you not like the flickering? Do you not think it adds something like atmosphere? I love candles, but if I'm in a space that can't allow me to use candles, then I'm not going to cry about it and get electric ones. Why? Surely it's a good alternative. I would just use environmental no, factors. <laughs> I mean, if it's a Gaia ritual, <laughs> it would make perfect sense <laughs> in order to buy the LED candles to substitute those harmful, harmful chemical candles, you know, the paraffin and such you know, and then merely dispose of them in a good place after, like the bin outside, so they go for landfill. That truly is Gaia absorbing the energy then, if they're rotting away over several thousand years in a landfill site somewhere. Do you think that Gaia appreciates it more if you were to leave an offering of that? Because it's plastic and takes longer to degrade. Would that be better? Do you think she's a fan of the microplastics? I would say, as we're not very good at... Um recycling batteries in general i think the plastic rotting over the next 2000 years is probably likely to be a quicker turnaround than some of the batteries poisoning the earth okay. um, but you know that's me what i don't use what reason you would not use an led candle over a normal candle is are you one of those purists chris the traditional types that say, oh, it wasn't done like this. I no. still use the dagger instead of the old medical lancet to extract no, it's, blood. It's, it's, not about, it's not about that. It's just, for me, I don't like LED candles. 
so they wouldn't get me in the mood like a candle would yeah. so if thing, you know so if if it was a case of actually um i can't get candles anymore they're not available i would just stop using candles rather than get an led one so is the take home from this an insight into your life which is that you like your red candles don't you i do they're very good you at candles on nice and moody create the atmosphere ritualistic atmosphere for i don't know some sex magic are you saying if we suddenly replaced them all with led candles you wouldn't be able to get up the wand no i didn't say that just at all. turn you off i just said i would find a different way to set the mood okay so what could you use if the candles are a no now okay against fire regulations not allowed to use candle elven safety gone fucking mad what are you going to use a tambourine and a triangle we like triangles just, in occultism, don't we? You can just raise some fucking energy like you should be doing anyway. What, without a candle? Yeah. Ah, a drum, Chris. That's the next most no. common thing, isn't it? No, not no. a drum? No. Oh, Chris. No. Nothing, not like a drum? nothing irritates me more than a drum beating. Really? Really. Oh, interesting. Why would I even want... if it's a de decent beat? No. No? No. Okay. What about if we made some paper mache things and put like bits of rice and that sort of thing inside them and it held some sort of neo-wiccan ceremony like they sort of do that sort of thing, don't they? Homemade musical instruments, Chris. I'd have thought you'd hate that a hell of a lot more than a proper drum. I'd, I'd hate that a lot more than a proper drum, but you're assuming oh. that music has to be the next obvious one well i'm just going by what i see in modern paganism chris if they haven't got a candles and they do normally have the candles it's often a, also a drum beats very closely behind you say drums and candles are you saying you don't need drums and candles for real magic no don't need any of it now you don't need anything no well you don't be telling them this i don't need any, any of it how are all the Etsy suppliers going to cope with this? Though I see a drop in sales, Chris. It's all those glassware shops. Probably be a good thing. People might start to start doing some actual magic then, instead of just lighting candles and making wishes, like it's a fucking birthday cake. Well, that is magical, is it not? <laughs> I mean, it is a. I mean, it's quite similar to a magical practice that you see in a, a lot of neo-pagans do. It involves lighting candles, eventually snuffing or blowing them out, and then some sort of wish or petition being made, only for it to actually not fucking do anything. Shit magic, Chris. It follows the same principles of most modern pagan rituals. There's some sort of candles involved, there's some sort of wish or petition involved, and then there's some sort of cake or ale or... You know, <laughs> that sort of thing at the end and then the magic doesn't work <laughs> seems like a pretty standard modern pagan ritual to me so what are we saying about the led candles are we looking down on those that use them is that what you're saying we look down I, on those. i'm just saying i wouldn't use them but you if wouldn't look down on people that do would you if if someone wants to use them that's fine by me but i okay. you wouldn't you wouldn't be a client of mine for very long. Oh, oh dear. Right. Okay. So we talk about the other part of this, the other subject, which would be fake tools in general in the craft, magical practice and stuff. Is there such a thing as a fake tool? And not when we go to moots and pretend we know nothing about magic to give people enough rope to hang themselves, we masquerade as tools. Um, I don't know. It depends what you mean. Are we talking about when you can buy a go and buy a plastic sword? Um, Any of it, really. I mean, that's a good concept. I always like you dislike LED candles. I dislike the fact that some people use blunt knives and blunt swords in rituals. To me, it means it's, it's silly. I, I just don't get it. I don't get the fact that you're using an instrument like that that does not cut. And the, the thing is, they're often as blunt as the practitioners that wave them around, you know? Mm. It's like the safety scissors at school. You know, you gave them to Jenny. 
the girl that used to eat the copy decks because she couldn't be trusted with metal ones. She had to have the plastic ones, right? It's like training swords. It's your training sword, isn't it? And then don't get me started on people that use these things and cannot actually wield them in real life. I mean, at least with the LARPers, they actually eat each other with them once or twice a year at Renaissance fairs. I mean, some of the other people, they don't even fucking do that. Yeah. Like, for me, in that situation, it would be far more appropriate for you to be using a steak knife yeah. than it would for you, you to be using a blunt athame or bolene or whatever it is that you're using. What if they're vegetarian or vegan, though? Can they still use a steak knife or are they not allowed? Well, I don't understand personally why somebody, um, a vegetarian otherwise, would be using a sword that is designed to cut people. Um, because obviously you, by using a, choosing to use a sword, like you probably should really be using your potato peeler or your paring knife <laughs> would be more appropriate for you because it should, like you say, it should be a, an item you are willing to wield. So mm. you would never see, you would kind of hope that you wouldn't have a vegan using a sword really because surely ethics would have some issue with that but well not necessarily because well no would... but my point is more about the fact that you the, a knife that you are using for practice should be useful and therefore usable so if it can't actually be used for the thing it was designed for in the first place you really shouldn't be wielding it I would just say that there are some, and I know that there are louder voices at play, which is why many of people would not agree with this, but there are some vegans and vegetarians out there that could not give a shit about cruelty to animals and such. And it is not a moral or ethical thing. It's just that they believe that it's healthier or have certain intolerances and such. Yeah, yeah. I know vegetarians that just don't mm. like the taste of meat. Yeah. But still, it's a case of would they be using that knife for that purpose if they don't eat eat meat they mm. wouldn't you would think have a or if they don't prepare meat shall we say mm -hmm. um you know there are vegetarians out there that won't cook you know even handle meat mm. whereas if you've got a, you know a parent who prepares meat for their children but doesn't eat it themselves they would still be preparing meat so that wouldn't be an, inappropriate for them to have a meat knife yeah. Um, if you've got someone that does not touch meat, will not eat meat, why on earth would they have a steak knife um, and be using mm. it in practice? Does that make sense? Yes. So fake tours, I think many people would think about if you came from a tradition, a magical tradition, let's let's pick a random one. Wicca, our favourite one to pick. <laughs> right. And they have a history, albeit not a very old history, but a history of wielding swords and that in ritual and daggers, athame, athame, you know, whatever they want to call it. Um, and then suddenly they do rituals and stuff that involve people in prisons, prisoners or children or anything like that. And they're not allowed to use swords or daggers. Therefore, they make them out of paper, right, as a symbolic thing. To me, that always seems very, very strange. But that because I come from the perspective of looking at it as, no, you're only using that sword because someone told you that you're supposed to use a sword for that ritual and you cannot think for yourself. Therefore, you're only copy and paste, copy and paste instead of deciding what it is for yourself, what you're going to do. Copy and paste culture is why I dislike that. Um, but within the copy and paste culture, that is things like Wicca and such, there will be the purists that say, well, no, if you're not going to use a proper metal sword, you're not going to, or a dagger or something, you're not going to make one out of paper just for the symbology of it. Just use your finger, you know, that kind of thing. And I think, well, I, I can't, I don't get that. I don't get that because you're using a blunt sword and you're saying that the person who's using paper, which arguably I think could do a lot more damage <laughs> I've seen more paper cut people than blunt swords cut people so you know 
Um, I, I don't get that. But there, there is this whole thing, idea of fake, fake swords, fake yeah, swords. The, the other one that triggers me a lot is fake skulls. Oh, that's a really good one. So that's the other one I find quite triggering is is people that use fake skulls and you're like, well, I don't want or I don't agree with. Then mm. why are you using a skull at all? For symbology. Like, I like the artistic idea of representing, representing the skull, but I do not feel very good about digging up skulls of dead people in the graveyard or ordering them on eBay or, you know, getting roadkill to use animal ones, you know, that kind of thing. That's what people would say. But I I've just, also thought the same. Again, you just find another way. Like, to me, if you're going for the head, there are lots of ways to be representational of the head without actually getting a head you know mm. actually using the head of an animal or a person you know mm. you could you could argue that a carrot has a head you could argue that a mushroom has a head like do you know what i mean like you could use for me people don't tend to same with like mushrooms and things then the mushroom for me first and foremost is the fruiting part mm. of the fungi yeah. um so to me it's actually more likely to be to do with kind of genitalia or reproduction than it would be to be used as kind of like the head or you know but it's one of those things that anything that becomes above ground could be considered as a head anything mm. below ground like do you know what i mean there are so many ways that you can interpret the top of something mm. or the bottom of something or the brain aspect of something like you know the walnut is a great example for anything to do with the brain um, because of its natural shape, looking brain-like, you know, um, doctrine of signatures. But no one go, I find not enough people go that far. Mm. You know, it, it goes back to the whole substitute anything with rosemary kind of attitude of any herb can be substituted. You know, that kind of, well, if you, any herb can be substituted, then that makes it sound like the item is not actually worth anything, mm. which should then have you thinking, well, do I need rosemary at all? Um, for you to understand, surely that's where your brain should be going with that mm. information, not going, oh, rosemary is these, this wonderful thing that can be used for anything. Um, you're not understanding that connection, um, you know, not to defend Cunningham, but part of his philosophy in that situation would be saying you can substitute mm. for something that is appropriate, that the, the energy required is the bit that's important. I wonder, bearing in mind most of his books were written after his death, I do wonder oh, whether or not actually is, is, is Cunningham the thicko or is it actually the ghost writers that wrote the rest of his books afterwards not understanding the core text? But, mm. you know, that's the one time you will hear me defend him in any way, shape or form. But, um, you know, there is an essence of what, well, you've missed the point. Mm. And 200 memes later, you're still not getting the point. One thing that I've noticed is that secrets and meanings and uses are in they talk about it being revealed upon initiation, which basically means when you're smart enough to figure it out, the idea of a human skull is not all about symbology at all. Like it has occult use naturally. It's an object with natural occult use. They're like fucking vacuum cleaners. You have a skull, you take it around with you. Spirits, they, they end up getting sucked in. You take a crystal skull around with you, it's not gonna fucking happen. But these people that think, oh, there's an, this tribe, that tribe, that magical practitioner, this magical practitioner, this thing, or they call for a skull to be used in that. They don't understand the significance or actual technology, magical technology, that they're trying to make it easier for the ritual to work. Oh, I'm conjuring up a dead person. How are they going to appear in this room? I know. We'll give them an actual fucking head to put on, to speak for. It makes sense. What will we pick as that head? Well, they're probably used to using an actual skull, given that they fucking had one for their entire life until it got cut off. But there we go. We'll talk about this more on the Patreon, the extended edition of this here 
amazing witchcraft shall. We'll see if we can be even more ruder than we've already been. Do you think we will? Probably. We generally are. Okay, so there's one thing. Before you go on to that, hold that thought. I just want to stretch that last point a little bit further to kind of go, actually, if you went to the extent of Mm. carving that skull out of out of crystal or out of wood then at that point there is that kind of part of you've given it shape Mm. and then you're just considering what is it made of so for me a crystal to an extent could be used it wouldn't have the vacuum effect but Mm. you could put things in it because crystals are very good for storing shit um But personally, I would have gone with the wooden carved skull because Mm. that is used to holding life. Mm. So at that point, that would have more in common with the bone skull than Mm. it would have with the crystal skull. You know, so and the the actual fact that you've given it its shape, I don't mean purchased one. If you've given it its shape, you have crafted a skull. So to me. I would be a bit more lenient about that. That to mm. me has um, a cult meaning and reference and understanding there. Yeah. If the skull is made of fucking, what's everything made of now? Resin. Yeah. Then again, it may as well be made of plastic or any other useless material. Mm. Um, because actually those things don't hold life. That's the whole point of using the skull. Mm. is it is a vessel um you know and if you've missed that point then what the fuck are you doing working with skulls at all um the book told him because you see we're living in age of correspondences and copy and paste so what a lot of this magical technology we'll call it in rituals and stuff is that over many many centuries experimentation took place and natural properties were found. Certain things were really good at certain things, right? Naturally. Now, what you're saying is you're saying, well, this person coming along, they might pick a human skull because everyone else is using a human skull and they might find that it works rather well. But the idiot that does not know why that works might think, oh, well, I don't like that. I'll just use a crystal skull and it will be just as good because I can picture it. I can picture it. I visualize it. And it's just a visualization. It's just an aid for me to use my sympathetic magic. Sympathetic. Is there a pathetic in sympathetic? Potentially. (laughs) Sometimes I think there is, Chris. Sometimes I think there is pathetic in sympathetic magic. But there we go. Whereas what you're talking about is you're saying, okay, well, there's natural properties of certain things that I could utilize within my craft. But if I haven't got access to them or just cannot be bothered to use them or want to do a different way, I will create something. I will shape something to be used specifically. So when you're talking about, okay, necromancy, want to use skulls because they're really actually quite effective naturally. Don't have to put a lot of work in with that. Just need to find a dead person's head. Um, which is easier than done than said some people would say in reality is actually quite easy um even in modern times but uh instead they might think i am going to craft the perfect vessel to use for my work in which case you're talking about identifying ah wood it was alive it has held life therefore its properties it's very easy to adapt that and i'm carving it and i'm changing i'm creating something a magical object to house this so yeah, there that would be an example. But the one thing that I've noticed, I think, is that a lot of modern people, when they talk about craft tools, they think too much about symbology. They think, oh, this is a symbol yeah. of that. You read any of the books, it's, oh, well, this double-edged sword symbolizes the fact that I can cut and yet I can be cut by my actions and such. Yeah, that's really great. But why is it a sword? Why is it that they used swords Oh, well, it's the symbology. Is it really? Is it really the symbology? Or do you not think that that fucking came after the sword was invented? Do you not think that came after the sword was invented? Who who uses swords? When did they first start using swords? Why did they use swords? Why are you using this? Why are you using that? 
they don't think about tools as in the fact that tools are practical tools have a use they're fucking tools i mean cavemen made tools right because they were fucking useful right yeah who knows they might have worshipped them they might have thought the tools were absolutely magical amazing an obsidian mirror or something like that maybe for seeing one's reflection at any time they wish not just when there's a large enough pool of water for grok to see himself in right <laughs> very magical and yeah there's all sorts of stuff going on there but remember tools are tools and we need to look at their why they were invented and how they evolved and the reasons why and think why would that be useful to me why would this be useful if you look at weaponry you look at places like japan and china you'll find that aside from the stereotypical things like katanas and samurai swords and such that evolve as swords you'll find that all the poor people didn't have them because poor people a couldn't afford swords and were not of the good enough breeding they were not of the upper echelons of society and therefore could not carry them so instead what you see within a lot of chinese japanese martial arts is that it's all adapted farmers equipment all of this stuff that you see these shaolin monks and stuff flinging about in a very graceful way of course but flinging about is farmers equipment that's been adapted because the peasant poor people used farmers equipment because they were farmers and then therefore adapted it as a means of self-defense because they were poor and that was the hand a lot of this stuff within the occult is also the same it's the same either some great discoveries made which oh shit this crystal or this particular wood is really good for harnessing or easing using um embodying this energy i've made a magical discovery look i'll write it down oh look some practitioners come along and basically copy and pasted it mm -hmm. but you know adaptation look at the tools that you're using and why you're using them and that's incredibly important i think for progression even the old-fashioned type witches our friend lady poison even she uses a slow cooker instead of a cauldron a lot of the time but this is the thing the other factor that people forget about is that mm. these were everyday items at the time yeah, yeah. so it was it was easy enough to hide a sword by just mounting it on the wall because that's what mm. would be expected yeah. so you know or the broom up against the back door um warding against evil the besom was mm. designed for exactly that because it would be there incognito just propped up doing its job um mm. It's these were sort these sort of things like to me in some way shape or form depending on your leanings, me personally I'd never have a sword. Um, I'd be more likely to replace that sword with a pen, which I thought you might yeah. like. Is that because um, of your poison pen letters? You know, but there's there is that part of you know I can, I can hurt people with words a lot easier than I hurt them with swords. I no, never no. trained at that. I whereas I'm very well versed in how to cut people up in half and in many tiny, tiny pieces with my words. So to me, that the, the natural substitute for for that would be, um, you know, the pen. At this point, it would probably just be a keyboard, wouldn't it? Or one of those Ooh. computer styluses. Yeah would be the most natural one at this point in time because most people send their poison pen letters and their their anonymous tweets are sent by the keyboard or the stylus yeah so, you know the most important part of being aggressive in that design which is obviously partly what the sword was about this was about defense and aggression as a point of de deferring energy or redirecting energy used in that situation the mm. wand again is another one that just baffles me why so many people are obsessed with the wand um you know which was only ever supposed to be an extension mm. it, it had no other purpose than to be an extension a conduit in which to redirect specific so the type of magic you were using would have colored mm. the type the type of wand you kept yeah ones traditionally were kept as part of the ceremonial position because they were actually a boiled down version of the staff it was mm. about position of power yeah um 
that become instead of having these huge walking sticks which the ancients would have had at one point because they were again useful yeah slowly and slowly got smaller and smaller until it was considered to be the wand um yeah you know but you only have to see that by looking at a an arthur weight rider weight rider what is it with you and arthur are you thinking king arthur too much because it's kind of renaissance fairy looking no i just i don't i don't like ride whenever somebody says rider weight they don't pronounce the parts properly right so rider rider weight smith rider smith there are three there are three separate words there whereas it sounds like rider weight yeah because rider weight (laughs) is the correct term for the deck because pamela coleman smith the smith part she was the artist. I mean, who really gives a shit what the artist? I mean, she only fucking drew it and coloured it in at the end of the day. I mean, <laughs> what's she got to do with the tarot deck, right? It's all about the patriarchy. You know, <laughs> it's all about the patriarchy. We've got the person that commissioned her to do it, and we've got the person that owned the company that printed it. The artist, wow, she don't mean nothing, does she? Well, I think she does mean something. That's why I call it the rider weight smith deck rather than just the rider weight but there we go so i've got something controversial to say oh really yes most most uncharacteristic something that i've said before and generally people not from the occult get it straight away but people from the occult kind of background practicing people get somewhat offended when i say this thing but which to be fair sometimes i use it in jest i don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with it but i think that it's something that you can say that really makes people think and i'd like to make some people think now right and it's about the witchy aesthetic the aesthetic chris yes all of these dark robes and cauldrons and such I think, right, but when you look at magic, things evolve over time, different periods of time, ancient world, different cultures, they would have different magical implements and rituals and ritual regalia and all that kind of thing. I think when magic truly kind of died, that was when the aesthetic was set. Because I think that when you look at associations with magic, and when you look at what you would consider a magical practitioner to wield or look like or anything like that, it really did evolve with the time. You go back to the ancient Egyptians and they would have thought that it would look, people would look a certain way, you know, whether it would be priest, priestess, class, they would look like that, they'd be able to identify that. What I find is from like medieval period onwards, we just got stuck. We got stuck with what do magical people look like? Oh, they look like some hag with a cauldron. It was like, even in the modern era, in the 21st century, what do people think a witch looks like? Oh, they look like some old hag with, uh, you know, some disheveled old lady that lives in a cottage with a cauldron because that's what they would have used to cook on. I think that the technology and the aesthetic and everything hasn't progressed. And that shows that magic is dying, I think because it means that it's not in the modern world. It has no place in the modern world because all of these people throughout history, magic was up to date with the current trends and times, I think. Whereas when we look back and we look at all of these book, witchcraft books written by academics and stuff, and they're like, oh, well, these were the last witches. These were the last cunning folk. You know, it's like all old, I was gonna say Betty Crocker then, or <laughs> old Tamsin Blight. <laughs> I or reckon Betty like Crocker was a witch, to oh, be fair. They all died at the beginning of the 1900s, you know, all that kind of thing. It's kind of like, well, it kind of is true to a certain extent. It's not in the modern world. When we look at the modern world, what we look at is we look at cheap imitation, you know. The reason why the witches and all that were seen to have cauldrons and crankly kind of hair and living cottages is because every fucking person lived in a cottage if you were in a rural area everyone cooked on a cauldron and as magic kind of died and the practitioners kind of didn't die but certainly went into the shadows and were a lot more less 
part of mainstream society, let's say, it was kind of just like, well, what's the last witch that we know of? Or what's the last witch we saw or we would have been able to identify? And it's kind of like, oh, well, it's the idea of just what everyone fucking looked like 100 or 200 or 300 or 500 fucking years ago. We'll just go with that because that's the last time we really had witches, I think. Whereas nowadays, what does a witch look like? I mean, we should be with the times, shouldn't we? I think witches are generally seen by their magnetic aura and general magical stuff. I mean, it's very difficult to hide. I think anyone that's an actual witch would find it very difficult to hide. Even if people don't look at you and, and say, witch, witch, they will look at you and know that you're different and sense that you're different. You can't really hide that. Um, well, I still go back to the, the comment you normally make when you do your um, intro to witchcraft history talk. Um, oh, yeah. where you talk about you know which as a reputation an accusation kind of that part of it um i actually said to a colleague of mine the other day because he was interviewing with uh, on the panel interviewing with me a new member of staff right. and um we were chatting in between and we were talking about businesses and obviously i said you you know my business blah 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 and then he kind of looked up at me and kind of went what business um and then i had to explain um so you know i have to give a what short you answer say? what do you say is witchcraft i always say it's a witchcraft business okay um, i'm quite upfront on that but he's he mentioned it the other day where he was like well i didn't know until you mentioned it the other day and yeah. i'm kind of like well that's kind of how it should be you know a witch based on their reputation you oh, don't yeah. know a witch because they have billboards telling you they are one um no. that's from psychics. you know what i mean like that's what that's what the whole point of a craftsman is is in any discipline mm. you go to the electrician who you know best mm. because of how good their work is like mm. you know you have this thing with most craftsmen and the same with in um, in kind of service industry, you're only as good as your last customer. Yeah. So your last feedback, it never it you know, and that's that's by which you live by. You're only as you know, you can't afford to have upset somebody mm. because word travels. Mm. We yeah. have got a massive over reliance on advertising marketing these days for the simple reason that i think as society and as a culture and that we don't have many friends we don't talk to each other and socialize with each other back then everyone would know the local blacksmith you know because yeah. if, there, if there was if there was right you would know what every single person did in your village pretty much you know you yeah. would know oh that one's the baker that one's the butcher that one's the candlestick maker you know and if you didn't know if you were in the market for oh, i need a blacksmith to do such and such you'd only have to mention that to a couple of people which you fucking would on a regular day basis because you'd speak to people these days everyone's on their phones no one knows their neighbors no one talks to each other and they rely on testimonials very much that are often made up you know and it's it's crazy that's just society though in general that's a comment on a commentary on society uh, but it is like you know to a certain extent it's why i love kind of the history of surnames particularly in mm. this country is because until we started moving around a bit more and traveling for work rather mm. because when industry started to be more centralized in different places um and got known for a certain thing was the first time you'd start moving and it'd be mm. like well they, you know jack you know such and such you know johnson you know and then later it becomes oh that's that's jack from london um very quickly became jack london like do you know what i mean like they or they were attached to what their tra their craft was yeah, of nazareth you know um or you kind of you you'd have you know smith there were smiths in every town hence why mm. smith is such a common name mm. um is because of so many of them because every town needed one every village needed one as the places got bigger you needed more of them like mm. um and then suddenly guilds appear kind of that sort of thing so i kind of you know i think the same 
there's a lot to be said for reputation in the old way than there is necessarily these days. But we've got off topic again. Back to fake shit. Oh, fake shit. Fake reputation? Fake reputations? You could definitely go there. There's plenty of those about. When we're talking gluttonous spirits and LED candles, fake tools in witchcraft, magic and, and the craft and such like that. If there's a takeaway from all of this, what would the takeaway be? The takeaway would be what is everything the, the items that you use regularly mm-hmm. the tools that you use you should be and you should be using them for specific things and i don't mean that's for that what i mean is it should have a use mm-hmm. if you have a tool in your toolbox that is only there because you knew, you read in some book Someone you were supposed told. to have one yeah or someone told you get fucking rid like you should only have tools for which you use or have Mm. a use for Mm. um you know you know what i'm like the only things that really ever appear in mine are random things i've collected on my walks um candles and raw ingredients those are Mm. literally the only things i have as a practitioner i didn't even really start collecting crystals in any way shape or form until we started the business yeah where the the occasional one would attract itself to me um Mm. like beyond that i have remarkably few items in my collection as it were because i use so little Mm. because normally i use the things that arrive as they arrive ah work to be done i've just found this thing um you know like it's that's kind of how a lot of my my magic works is things are things are found as i'm out and about somewhere or handed to me and i'm like oh i suppose i best do something with that um yes well it's interesting isn't it? because because witchcraft is a craft at the end of the day but if you were to start as a beginner blacksmith or a beginner electrician or a plumber or a baker or something like that you would actually have what is your in your first toolbox or what tools do you need to get started and this is the approach that people you can kind of understand it's realistically it's been pushed by the books but you troll these fucking hideous uh witchcraft groups on facebook for beginners and you troll these fucking questions um on quora i think it is isn't it that's where yeah, they ask and it's all these people saying i'm just started on my magical web or i'm just getting used to witchcraft what books do you recommend or what tools do i need to get started i don't even answer those questions now because well if you're that stupid you're going to require a certain amount of uh, eye-opening uh <laughs> in order for me to start to really intri- even bother to have a conversation with because it's just too much it's never ending it seems never fucking ending and and all of these books that people recommend these days how many of them even the ones that people think are actually quite good and say well actually this one's not a bad book on witchcraft how many of them actually contain a section which is oh well these are the tools we use this is the tools that you need how much harm does that realistically do to someone's critical thinking? Even if it's part of your tradition and you're giving someone the tradition, I find that it can be quite harmful to say, oh, well, you need to go. You don't need this, but we use this. Therefore, you know the very fact that the person reading that book is going to run out and try and get one. And they're not going to be able to find one because they're going to be impatient. Therefore, they're going to buy one, aren't they? They're going to buy something, some stick, some staff or something like that, because all the cool kids are using it. The book says, oh, well, you know, it will come to you if you need it. Well, I want one. So that's it. I'm getting one from Amazon. I don't like it. I don't like it. What's interesting is they never say you need these things Mm. if they were to actually read the book properly. The The book just lists items. Mm. that are tools of the trade it never says you need these um and if you look at all the recipes because that's what i'm going to call them 
Um, the recipes that are in the back of these books, none of them mention those tools either. Mm. Like, so you kind of like they're listed, but you're not clever enough to go, oh, I don't actually need any of these things. Because it does actually ask for them. The ingredients are listed in the recipes. Like, you know, two red candles and a bag of rosemary and some rose petals. Like, those things are listed. It doesn't list a cauldron. It doesn't list uh, an athame. Yeah. You know? All these, yeah. All these things are stepping stones anyway at the end of the day. Because as we all know, much like a god in the of the Bible, of the Jews and the Christians and such speaks things into existence that's all a witch really needs to do and guess what a witch don't even need to speak it out loud into existence but i know that's a little bit too much for a lot of people despite it being the first ever spell i taught in the, in the spellcast course but there we go um much of these things people think well i need a pen mortar and pestle because i need to make my herbs so that i can make me tonic it's like you you don't need a tonic you don't need to touch the person. You don't even need for them to be on the same hemisphere as you to do the magic. Well, you do because you need to work up to that amount of power. But, you know, it's always worthwhile thinking about, which, again, people get upset by, cultists get upset by because they get so far in their practice and these tools become crutches that they cannot walk without. And a lot of them don't try to, which you can understand if you're not interested in progression, you're interested in just learning enough magic to get by and get things that you want. Okay, I'll learn a system of ceremonial magic. Oh, look, I've got this spirit. It made me rich. I don't really need magic anymore. I do going to spend my time traveling the world and, you know, hiring, chartering yachts and hiring prostitutes, you know, like a friend of mine does. But there we go. I think that's about it for this edition of the No Horse Part Witchcraft podcast. Clear out your cupboards, guys, girls, and all that in between. Is that politically correct enough for you, Chris? That's fine. That's fine. That I okay. think Do we have to say that? Or should we just not say guys and girls or witches or anything like that anymore? Should we just say people? Do people, some people don't identify as people, though, do they? Like the old dragon, other kin thing. Other kin. Or, you know, some people may or may not identify as a toaster these days. I'm not quite sure, but... How's about we refer to you magical and non-magical people? Yes, okay, that sounds That's good. That's quite good, isn't it? Because that covers a lot of them. And we're not being biased enough to label individually who's magical and who's not magical. Therefore, they would have to put their own labels on themselves. Mm. And it's all about making your own labels up these days, as we all know, isn't it? Definitely. Right. Have you got any final thoughts to add regarding anything we've talked about? Not not, not really, I guess. Just if you can't justify why you've got it, you need to be questioning why have you got it? Because mm, it looks so, so pretty. And if pretty, and if pretty and I want it is the only reason for it, then that's fine. As long as you're aware that it's not a magical tool. Ooh. How's about we get them to make it into a magical tool? Well, maybe all they want is for it to look pretty. That's fine. Yeah, but that's not really a magical tool then. That's just no. a tool associated with magic, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Maybe some of these people want to open a museum up. Museums are full of magical tools that never get used. Yes, but they were used once upon a time. That's the point. Do you find that sad, though? Do you look at them and you think, actually, this is really quite sad that none of this is getting used anymore? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Are there any particular examples that you would give of things that you feel, ooh, that's not being used anymore. It makes me somewhat sad. Um, pretty amulets. That dunking seat, you know, they dunk the witches in. Uh, oh that would be great fun to play with but the um no a lot of mine is kind of the pretty things you know when right. you see see amulets and things that have gone uh, when you know there are like hundreds of hours of metal work involved mm. and you're thinking that would be so useful no one needs to make another one of those one is enough like yeah you know 
Okay. Those are the ones. All right. Well, that is it. The end of the No Hosbar Witchcraft podcast. I think everyone's got their marching awards. Uh, marching awards? Marching orders. So I suppose we should say goodbye, everyone. Light and dark blessings be upon you. <laughs>